الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وكونوا مع الصادقين وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم سبعة يظلهم الله في ظله يوم لا ظل إلا ظله وقال وشاب نشأ في عبادة الله عز وجل أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected students of deen Mothers and sisters Alhamdulillah This is the great gift and the great bounty and mercy of Allah Ta'ala that Allah Ta'ala has chosen you has selected you to be in an environment that enhances what is most important to you that helps you to protect what is most important to you and that is your Iman This might sometimes be very far at the back of our minds. But definitely every mu'min understands that the most important aspect in our life is our iman. Everything else is secondary. Our iman, our faith, our belief in Allah Ta'ala, this is primary. There have been many instances where a person was 15 years old, somebody was 17 years old, somebody 20 years old, somebody 25 years old. So all these things, there have been many instances of this kind of situation taking place that a person of that age suddenly passed away and the person now, there was no way to do anything further. Life in dunya was over and the person was now into the akhirat. So the person who was 15 years old or 20 years old or 25 years old or anywhere in between or more. From that moment that the person's life left him or her, was there any way that the person could benefit from any of the material things. Somebody had a very nice house to live in. Was that something that could now benefit the person? There was one young child, very young child, maybe a few years old, about three years old or something. So his grandfather had passed away. And he was apparently very close to the grandfather, because the grandfather was living with, so he was quite, he was the youngest child in the household, so he was very close to the grandfather, and now at three years, four years, the child's understanding is there to a point also. So in any case, now when the janaza took place, so this child also was brought along by the father, so now they were burying the grandfather 
of this child and this child was also standing alongside the grave first time in his life he is in a qabristan and for the first time in his life he is seeing a burial so now the child in his innocence he doesn't know but now he's asking his father and now children are children they are sometimes not shy to ask whatever they want to ask meaning not shy that somebody is overhearing they must ask quietly they will ask as they want to so he's asking his father that why they putting dada inside this grave inside this place so he says no this is his he's going to stay here now his father is whispering to him just to now quieten him he's going to stay here now so then he's asking now a child is a child he is not hesitating to ask and he is asking that but he won't feel cold in here you feel how is it no there's no bed here where's his bed now the child is asking these innocent questions but this is ibrat for us this is a lesson for us now in the house now the child knows my grandfather had a very comfortable bed it was a warm cozy house and whatever else and now in this narrow grave the child can't see any bed there so how he's going to sleep in here now the child is thinking on his level and this is cold it probably was a cold day outside so now he maybe was feeling a bit cold so now he wants to know that won't his grandfather feel cold in the grave so this is the point this is the lesson in any case whatever the father had to try and just explain to him somehow to keep him quiet and leave it for another time but this is the point that we are making that when a person goes into the grave then whatever is accumulated in dunya whatever has been acquired whatever the person's achievements have been somebody has got a very nice car somebody has got an extremely expensive phone they just didn't they only just took it out of the box 10000 rand phone they bought they just barely took it out of the box didn't even yet start using it properly only put the sim card in still and from tomorrow they were planning now to start loading everything in now to load all the contacts but now before loading their contacts onto the phone they got offloaded into the grave and before linking up with their contacts via that phone they got linked up with the contact of malakul maut he came and he moved them on to the contact of akhirat they got contacted with the hereafter now that person's phone that person's car that person's house that person's bed all his wealth all his achievements somebody's degrees somebody's uh whatever certificates they got somebody's prizes and somebody's awards and somebody's anything and everything where is it now all left behind what went into the grave yes something's went into the grave what went into the grave the person's iman and the person's amal his actions now depending on what kind of actions the person had then if they were extremely if they were very good actions then the good actions will now 
become the means of comfort in the grave. It comes in the Hadith Sharif that a person who is a good person passes away. That even the grave talks to him. The grave addresses him and says to him that of all the people that walked onto the earth, you were most beloved to me because that person was meant for that piece of ground to be buried in there. You were most beloved to me. Now that you have come into me, I will show you how I will treat you. That is after the questioning of the angels is over, etc. Now he says the grave will address him and say, I will now show you how, how I will treat you. And then the grave expands for him. And a window from Jannat is opened out into the grave. Where the cool breeze of Jannat comes. Not something that makes a person feel cold but something that is extremely comforting. And the bedding of Jannat is brought. Now that little child, as we mentioned earlier, he was very concerned how his grandfather is going to sleep in there because there's no bed in here. Because now that child for the first time in his life came to the Qabristan and he's beyond his understanding still of what is this all about. But the mu'min, when he gets into that Qabr, then he was a good person Allah Ta'ala provides the bedding of Jannat. What can his bed of dunya ever compare to it? The bed of dunya cannot even be one minute fraction of the comfort that will be given by the bed of Jannat, the bedding of Jannat. And all the pleasures Allah Ta'ala then starts giving him already. So the lesson in all this is that this is our greatest asset that we have to be most concerned about. Because life is very uncertain. Every other day we hear about somebody passing away very suddenly. And age, all ages. Somebody old, somebody middle age, somebody young, somebody very young, somebody still a child also. We don't know when our time will be up. Now this is what we have come to Madrasa for. Allah Ta'ala selected us, Allah Ta'ala chose us to be in such an environment where we can be focusing on how to protect this Iman and how to be ready for the time when our life will suddenly go. We have all lived different amount of time already in dunya. Somebody has lived 50 years almost, somebody maybe 45 years, somebody 40 years, somebody 20 years. So in any case, 20 years, 15 years, even 10 years for that matter. So it's a long time in a sense. In a sense, even that 10 years old, somebody is 10 years is a long time. When something continues for 10 years, 10 years something is carrying on. For example, a business is running for 10 years and especially running for 20 years or more, then it seems as if this will carry on forever. Many businesses now, there isn't even the slightest thought that crosses anybody's mind that this business can someday turn around the other way because for the past 25-30 years this is running excellently it's producing tremendous profit can it ever be thought that this business also will someday go the other way around whereas this kind of thing sometimes happen one person who is in one of the probably we mentioned this last week or the week before I have no idea whether in this uh, discussion or some other discussion that in one of the neighboring countries, further up, person who had huge, many of, several people who had huge businesses, and overnight it came to a standstill. 
the businesses were producing millions of rands of or whatever the currency is of profit every month, millions. It came to a complete standstill. Reason being that there was suddenly a huge shortage of electricity. Like we have load shedding, Allah Ta'ala's fuzzle that things have not been happening recently, but as we experienced the load shedding not long ago, now there is major load shedding, but the load shedding is that they turn the current down because it's so little. Now these major factories need a lot of current to run their machines. They cannot run anything on that low, low amount of current. So everything came to a halt. They can barely put their lights on and put their computers on and something like that, but they need to run their machines. There's no machines running, everything stops. Now, millions were being produced for years. It stopped overnight, came to a standstill. And now months have passed, it didn't get going yet. Now, these are things that happen. So now, likewise, the lesson we are saying is that we have lived for so many years already. So now this thought comes that I've already lived 20 years, 30 years. Well, that will come someday, but so long I'm carrying on fine till someday I don't get very sick or something, I don't have to worry about it. So Alhamdulillah, I'm carrying on fine, everything will carry on forever. But does it happen like that always? Or does sometimes suddenly things come in our way? Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. Allah Ta'ala give us death on Iman. Allah Ta'ala give us death in a condition that we are totally ready and prepared for it. Allah Ta'ala save us from a sudden death. Allah Ta'ala give us death of Shahadat. Allah Ta'ala bless us with death in the Mubarak lands of Makkatul Mukarrama or Madinatul Munawwara. We make dua for all these great na'mats and bounties, but most importantly that we must pass away in a condition with Iman and Allah Ta'ala be pleased with us. So the point that we need to bear in mind is that this requires, this is the most important and most valuable asset that we have and therefore we have to look after it and Allah Ta'ala has made these means available to us. That Allah Ta'ala allowed us to be in such an environment. Those who are in the environment Shaitani scrap that is called some kind of swimsuit or worse than that. Initially when it was so called created to bring in this filthy culture, they couldn't get anybody to even advertise it. Those who were the so called celebrities of that time, they were disgusted. I will never ever wear this is the most immoral thing I have ever heard of. Now who is talking? People without Iman. That the so called bikini or whatever they call it. That this is the most immoral thing that has ever been seen. I will never ever dream of wearing such a thing. Who is talking about this? Somebody without Iman. This is documented evidence. And they tried, tried but they failed. Eventually they found some people without any morals, any scruples, people who were the most immoral of society. They paid them to now wear this and they created a so-called what they called a musical. And now they paid big money to have this aired on television. Now when it started off, first people were outraged. This is immoral and this is disgusting and how can this happen? But now they paid for it, so the television station, they're carrying on. Now there's a big debate carrying on and this carrying on.
But as now time went on, people are talking about it and people are now, somebody is arguing against it and somebody then now starts even giving some arguments for it too. So it starts off on that note now. It's outrage. People are shocked. But then from the outrage, after some time, it comes to the point of a debate now. First it was shocking. Now it's a debate now. There's two and four, but then now I'll debate now. Well, there's various opinions. I have my opinion. Somebody has their opinion. So it carries on. Then the debate comes to a level of tolerance. That, well, uh, okay, I don't agree with this. It's, I feel it's bad. But then everybody has their own view. You can't force your view down somebody else's throat. Now, first it was a terrible thing. It was disgusting. It was, now it came to the point of, well, you got your view, but you can't force your view on somebody else now. So somebody wants to do something, it's up to them. And then it comes to a point of acceptance. Well, this is also, well, somebody was to do it like this, somebody like that, that's fine now. So it came now to a point of, but this is what's happening in one, two days. This will be taking now 15, 20 years to come to that point. And then eventually, now some so-called celebrity will wear it in public. Now that person will be then given the pat on the back. Look at the courage of this person, that they prepared to stand for their views. They believe something, they prepare to stand for their beliefs. Now, for what can believe? The most stupid, most disgusting, the most evil, all this stupid and disgusting lifestyle, gay lifestyle, it all become human rights now. It was the most disgusting thing, it become part of human rights. But now from that point to this point, what was the process? How it came to this point finally? The one thing that will be done throughout this will be to keep it discussed in the public. The discussion must continue in some way or the other. So they'll keep stirring it in some way or the other that the discussion must continue and there must be constant exposure to that. In some way or the other, via the newspapers, via the radio, via the television, via whatever and nowadays via social media and they must keep people this must keep coming in their eye and they must keep talking about it. So now they'll have some talk show also. Now that is a trap. They will create that, that there must be a talk show for it. Now the person sometimes hosting the talk show doesn't know also he fell in the trap. And now he's hosting somebody who has this totally disgusting lifestyle or beliefs or whatever. And now he's saying, no, we want to interview the person. And then we try to convince him that what he's doing is wrong. But meanwhile, the whole public is hearing this. And now somebody is talking for and somebody is talking... Now that was the whole object. The agenda of those who want to get the evil going, that was their whole object, that this discussion must carry on. And now from the point of total disgust, total outrage, it comes to a point of acceptance. And then gradually, if nobody even discusses the evil of this, then the evil of that also comes out of the heart and mind. And it's just like one of those things. Now from where to where? But what is, the, what is the process which was used to bring it to that? The constant exposure. If we think about it, that the kind of clothing that has become the norm in so many circles nowadays. If you go two generations up, with the people that are still living, the grandmothers that are over their 55, 60s, who are still living, and whose granddaughters now, part of their normal clothing, in big inverted commas normal, 
their normal clothing is jeans and tight clothing and whatever else, would those grandmothers ever dare wear it? They won't. So now is it that they are just old-fashioned? Or is it that the new generation has been deceived to think there's some good in this? It's a deception. So now, to cover up the deception, we just term that the, those who have already gone beyond, they are old-fashioned. So they were old-fashioned or we are deceived. But this is the plan of deception. This is how the agenda works and things which our grandparents were disgusted about. People, the grandchildren will talk about it casually. They will be fine with it, comfortable with it. The grandparents got no choice but to just keep quiet sometimes. If they dare say anything, they are in a problem. But is this not a deception? Now this is how this deception works. But Shaitan works it in such a subtle way that the person feels proud about being deceived. The person actually feels happy about being deceived. He doesn't realize that he's being deceived. See one person from uh, Persia. That time, that era, long ago, he was from Persia. Now Farsi speaks Persian. He came to visit India. Now when he came to visit India, first time in his life is coming, now he speaks Persian. And here people are speaking a different language. They don't know his language. So, any case, he came now and uh, he's walking around the streets. He's visiting India. So, now it's the olden days time. So, he passed by one mithai shop, sweetmeats. So, this person was sitting outside like, those days, uh, just under one shelter. And he had all these big, big trays of mithai, which he had made. And now he's selling that. Now this person passed by, he saw these big, big trays now. He never saw some shop like this in his place where he was living, in his country. He thought this is something for distribution here. Because maybe in his country, somebody wants to distribute something just for free. They sit on the roadside and they distribute. Anybody wants to come take. So he thought this was for free. So he came there, he stood there, he started eating. Now that person is telling him something that what are you up to? He can't understand. So he carried on eating. That person said, this fellow is a thief now, he called for the police. So the police came now, they caught hold of this fellow, they can't talk to him, he's talking one language, they talk a different language. They realize this is some foreigner and he doesn't know what's going on here, but nevertheless we have to teach him a lesson. So what they did, they put him onto a donkey. Now that was how they used to sometimes punish some people to just disgrace them for the wrong they did, so that they don't do it again. So they put him on a, onto a donkey, they covered his face with some kind of paint and all that just to disgrace him further and then they put a whole lot of children around him that the children must now keep clapping and jeering and shouting and mocking and so on and now this donkey will be his mountainous donkey and he must be given a ride through the town in this manner so now this was supposed to be his way of being disgraced so he doesn't ever come back here he doesn't do this again so they took him around the town like this and all the children are making a din around him and mocking him. And but now he doesn't understand the language. any case, he went for the so-called, they drove him around the town like this and then they chased him away, sent him out. So any case, he came back home. And when he came back home now, he went. Now those days, very rare thing, somebody travels far out. So this person went to India now. Nobody else saw India. A whole town gathered around him, small village now. Everybody gathered around him. He came back home. Now, how's India? So he says, what can I tell you about India? He says, India, wonderful place, man. What a wonderful place. He says, you get 
Now he's talking, he's explaining to them, you get mitai to eat for free. After mitai, after you eat the mitai for free, you get a ride, donkey ride for free. And together with that, they have all the children to cheer you also. That now you're going for a ride. And they even, they, you know, they color you up also. They make you feel like colored. I mean, so nice that, you know, you, they're coloring you up. So, he says, what a wonderful place. India, I can't even uh, describe how nice it is. Now, this whole chakkar that was done, putting him on the donkey and getting his children, this was all done to humiliate him. And that was a big disgrace among the people there. What was done to humiliate him, this poor fellow thought all this was to honor him. He thought that he was being honored in this way. Now, that is what is now compounded ignorance. One is a person is ignorant and he doesn't even know he's ignorant. Now that is what is called compounded ignorance. That is now ignorance of the highest level. That a person is ignorant and he thinks he knows it. So when a person is ignorant and he knows he's ignorant, it's easy to teach him. Then it's easy to undo the wrong or to educate him, to take him forward. But a person is ignorant and doesn't even know he's ignorant, he thinks he knows it, that's a very difficult one. Now that is how this deception works, that they deceive a person in such a way, they break down the haya in such a way, break down all the qualities of iman in such a way, that the person thinks that I am now being honored, that I am now advanced, I am now one better than the others, my old fashioned granny and so on, what they know. They dress like in old-fashioned times. I am advanced now. I am somebody smart. Now this is compounded deception. That the person is deceived, the person is being disgraced, and the person thinks this is honor. Now where does this come from? A good amount of all this comes from the environments out there. And the environment is not only restricted to the public schools or to the all the various other things that are going out there, the malls and the halls and whatever else, whatever the media, the newspapers, the social media, all these things are part of environment. And we get caught up in all these things. And this environment starts shaping our minds. The environment starts shaping our thoughts. The environment starts shaping our actions. And we start doing what we see out there. It's a bad way to say it, but this is what it becomes, that Allah forbid, what monkeys are doing out there, we'll just stop at that. We'll just leave it at that. And what monkeys are doing out there, the rest of it, you know, say they fill in the blanks. So, the point is that Allah Ta'ala has not made us monkeys. Alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah. We are not that. Yes, sometimes we might just slip up a little bit and maybe get caught in some imitation of it. But Allah Ta'ala has made us insan and made us believers. Allahumma lak alhamd. Alhamdulillahi ala ni'matil iman. Alhamdulillahi ala ni'matil islam. We should be very, very grateful and very, very guarded over our iman that this is our greatest asset, this is our greatest wealth, this is our greatest treasure. If life has to go now, none of these material things are going to be of any avail to us. All these fashions are not going to be of any help to us in the qabr. Rather, it's going to become a problem for us. 
imitating the kuffar, trying to be high and mighty by wearing those very high heels and thinking we'll get higher in life, or wearing those tight-footing clothing and thinking that we will now squeeze out the unhappiness from our lives because now we're feeling bored and feeling unhappy so if we wear tight clothing maybe the unhappiness will get squeezed out of our life no, we're just going to restrict our happiness further because whatever is the disobedience of Allah Ta'ala that can never bring happiness whatever Allah Ta'ala is not pleased with then that will not bring pleasure to us either if Allah Ta'ala is displeased with us that will become a source of our misery as well. So we need to be very grateful to Allah Ta'ala, to be very, very grateful that, Ya Allah, it is only your grace that you allowed me to be in an environment of deen. But the gratitude for that is, one is the verbal shukr, that we verbally express this gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. And together with that, the very important thing is the practical shukr. The practical shukr is now that we engage ourselves in the manner that we are supposed to. While in madrasa, and then we take the lessons with, our, with us outside madrasa as well. We apply ourselves in a way that Allah Ta'ala becomes pleased with us. The lessons that we learn, we take it to heart. We start making an effort to give up anything that is not supposed to be in our lives this chatting on social media, the wrong kind of dressing, the simple first step is that we start making sincere dua. Beg Allah Ta'ala's help. Ya Allah, these are things that have crept into my life. If Not that it has, but if something of anything, whatever, for somebody it's one thing, for somebody else it's another thing, for somebody it's ghibat, for somebody it's misuse of the eyes, for somebody it's the misuse of the heart, for somebody it is wearing haram clothing, for somebody it's chatting, for somebody it is some other illicit contact with somebody, whatever it may be, Allah forbid, we look deep down in our lives, then we won't have any doubt that we are also caught up in something or the other. So we need to look within ourselves. We don't look around at anybody else now. We look within ourselves. And we'll find, we look within ourselves, we'll find Allah Ta'ala purify us all. Allah Ta'ala cleanse us from all our weaknesses, all our shortcomings. Allah Ta'ala make it such that we become true believers in every sense of the word. But at the same time, what is extremely important is that we focus upon ourselves and we try to rectify this. So the first step is sincere dua. That, Ya Allah, I am weak. These things have crept into me. Whatever it may be, whether it is ghibat, whether it is misuse of the tongue in other evils, whether it is finding fault, whether it is uh, jealousy, whether it is malice, whether it is anything else, whether it is chatting or whatever the sin may be. Ya Allah, this has crept into me. Ya Allah, you are the purifier. Ya Allah, you remove all this filth from my heart. You remove this dirty actions from my life. Ya Allah, you make me a true and genuine, sincere, obedient servant of yours. Ya Allah, I want to be your true servant. Ya Allah, only you can change my entire life for me. Ya Allah, it is your grace, your mercy, your blessing you have brought me into an environment of deen. Enable me to conduct myself in a way that I become truly filled with deen. My iman goes to the best of levels and my actions come correct. 
my heart is cleaned and purified, every kind of wrong is cleansed from myself, and I become a true well-wisher of one and all. So all these du'as, this is the first step that we start making sincere du'a. And together with that, if we even make two rakat salatul haja daily, nafil of salatul haja, that will be all the better. So the sincere du'a, and keep to keep reciting, إِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ إِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Ya Allah, guide us to the straight path. Repeatedly, every now and again, every few minutes, two, three times. After every salah a few times, very deeply, from the heart, with the meaning in mind, consciously. And with this intention, that this must become the means of guiding me, that I get the guidance towards all that is good, and get the guidance to stay away and refrain from all that is evil. Whether that evil pertains to, for example, chatting, whether it is something with some illicit contact, whether it is looking at haram, whether it is having jealousy in the heart, whether it is malice in the heart, whether it is ghibat, whether it is any other sin. So every sin, whether it is music, whatever it may be, this must become a means of cleansing my life from all these evils and I must become the true servant of Allah Ta'ala. So repeatedly, إِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ إِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Consciously, like a person is asking, asking Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is the benefactor. Allah Ta'ala is the provider. Allah Ta'ala will, when we will show the need and we will show the desperate plea we will plead to Allah Ta'ala Allah Ta'ala's doors of mercy will open to us as well May Allah Ta'ala give us the tawfiq to appreciate to the utmost level this gift of Iman and make every effort to protect it and to keep advancing it and progressing it Allah Ta'ala make us his true and obedient servants wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير واجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير رب اغفر وارحم واعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم ربنا توفنا مسلمين وألحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحابه اجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين